There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in Tampa Ranch, Michael Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Detective Sergeant Bill Cannon, 27-year veteran of the NYPD. Wow, that's all I have to say in regards to this case. I mean, it's a uh, built-for-TV movie, a lot of twists and turns. However, yesterday, a lot of our um, questions uh, have answers now. Uh, We all know, uh, based on uh, what occurred yesterday, is that the the Marshal Service, U.S. Marshal Service, at about 4.30 uh, in the afternoon in Evansville, Indiana, uh, the car was spotted in a parking lot of a motel, and they surveilled the vehicle, and they witnessed um, Casey White and Vicki White get into that vehicle, and they followed the vehicle, and ultimately the vehicle got into a pursuit. Um, and one of the things that the U.S. Marshals Service did, which was probably saved a lot of people's lives, uh, is that they rammed the vehicle, which is uh, a police tactical maneuver that is used during situations in uh, very very dangerous car stops. And instead of pulling this car over, which undoubtedly would have resulted in a gunfight where potentially numerous people could have gotten wounded or, or killed, they made the decision to ram the vehicle, and they actually did a precision ramming because they flipped the car over. And I believe the vehicle was a uh, 2006 beige Cadillac. That's another story we'll talk about is that um, they had changed several vehicles. They were, uh, initially were in that red SUV that they dumped uh, in Tennessee, and then later on they uh, had apparently had purchased a Ford F-150, which they uh, dumped at that um, – at that car wash in Evansville, Indiana. And then uh, the last vehicle that they apparently had purchased, they don't have a lot of information on, however, on where they purchased it. That was the final vehicle they had gotten into. And we had spoken, you know, everyone had spoken about how, oh, she's going to be so knowledgeable because of a law enforcement background. They were staying at what was the equivalent of like a Motel 6. Let me show you a little bit of the press conference from yesterday um, with the with the sheriff. Um, with Sheriff Rick Singleton. And um, I'm going to show you a little bit of this now, and then we'll get into a little bit more of all the happenings, uh, all the occurrences, because many things have occurred in the last day. The task force for the assistance they've been in this, uh, their agents are actually the ones that were involved in the pursuit. Uh, and my, my team of investigators who work diligently alongside the U.S. Marshals Task Force, uh, all the other partners and players in this, the least of which is not the media. You guys have made this happen. You've kept this story out there. You've kept it on, on everybody's mind. And the tips, uh, what led us to the arrest and, and the uh, uh, capture of, of them today was a tip that came from citizens and those they call those tips in because the coverage y'all have provided us you don't know how much i personally appreciate the way y'all have helped us in this case we got a dangerous man off the street today uh, he is never going to see the light of day again and uh, you know that's a good thing for not just our community but that's a good thing for this country so thank you uh, very much for your help uh, i'll be glad to take a few questions What's the nature of Vicki White's Don't know. Just know she's been transported to the hospital for treatment. Uh, there was a wreck. I don't know. Folks, uh, well, someone's asking in the chat, what's the role of the U.S. Marshals? The U.S. Ma- the U.S. Marshals were the lead fugitive enforcement. Uh, they are um, responsible for recapturing fugitives that have escaped from jails and prison, prison nationally in the entire U.S., one of the things that occurred, of course, in this vehicle chase, during the chase, Vicky was driving that Cadillac, okay? When they were rammed, at some point, um, she shot herself in the head. It was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And at this point, we know, in fact, that she succumbed to that wound and she is dead. That situation with the U.S. Marshals ramming the vehicle during that pursuit 
uh, and flipping the Cadillac over undoubtedly prevented many uh, many people from being shot, uh, prevented a gunfight from ensuing. In that vehicle, there were four handguns and an AR-15. So they had all the firepower to shoot it out with the federal marshals. I don't know if the rooms are related to the wreck or not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, I think so. That Ford F-150. What's the connection to Evansville, Indiana? Why there? Don't know. Now, how? Well, if anything particular drew into that town, uh, uh, you know. But that's where uh, we got the, the latest tip, which uh, came in uh, late last night, I think, or last, last night. Uh, Followed up on it first thing this morning. And uh, they were able to uh, get some leads there, and uh, it led to their capture. Where exactly did the chase start? Where did the chase start? I'm not sure. Uh, I, my understanding is that they had found, uh, located them at a hotel, and uh, they ran, saw, spotted them, ran, and the pursuit ensued. Sure. Folks, to answer that question, the pursuit occurred on uh, Highway 41 North and Highway 57. They had been surveilled in the parking lot of a hotel, which used to be a Motel 6. We jokingly referred to that early on, you know, keep the light on for us, we had said. And apparently it was a Motel 6. It no longer is. They didn't put out the name of the hotel now. But so, yes, they were being pursued on Highway 41 North uh, and Highway 57. We spoke to some of the folks that called that chip in up in Indiana. And they said they had actually alerted local law enforcement last week on Tuesday about that and that it's taken several days for you know all the tips coming in to be able to get through them, get down the list. Was there something last night that changed your idea about why it might actually be a, a, a real sighting of Casey White? No, I'm not aware of the earlier tip. When, when will they be brought back here? Uh, not sure. Uh, you know, they'll have to be uh, extradited if they don't waive extradition. That can take some time. Of course, court proceedings involved in that. Over here, I heard someone over here. Will they actually be brought back here, or yes. the connection is it just too deep to? No, they will be brought here. He has to be brought back here, and she does to face arraignment on the new charges. Uh, he is charged with escape. She has uh, multiple charges on her now. They will have to be brought back here for arraignment. Uh, we've already made arrangements with the Department of Corrections. He will be brought here for arraignment. If it's two o'clock in the morning, it doesn't matter. The judge has agreed to come out. He will be arraigned and immediately transferred to the Department of Corrections. Are you concerned about Vicki White coming back to this detention center since she worked here? She will not be logged. Uh, she will not be confined in this detention center. So, folks, this is obviously prior to him knowing that she had succumbed to her wounds. Many people in the chat are asking the question, um, how do we know that she, in fact, shot herself in the head? And how do we know that it was not uh, Casey White that shot her? And there will be an autopsy performed this afternoon. That's, of course, May 10th, the day. And one of the things that are indicative of a suicide is that when someone commits suicide with a gunshot wound to the head, usually they press the gun up against their head. So what that would show is a close contact wound and maybe even have stippling and what's called tattooing from the barrel of the gun. So the pathologist will be looking for those signs and uh, those signs will be indicative that she, in fact, uh, shot herself, and it wasn't uh, Casey who shot her. So, you know, after what nearly, I guess, 11 days, everyone was conjecturing about, um, you know, when was this going to end? Uh, what kind of a, a genius was she in planning this? And how are they staying uh, away? And, you know, when you find out, when the investigation is completed, you find out there was no genius involved here that there was just a lot of maybe luck and luck on their end. And maybe they did take certain precautions, but they didn't take precautions well enough because here they are. Uh, they got caught, didn't they? I want to show a little bit of Brian Enton interviewing Brian Enton from News Nation, interviewing the, the car wash manager who gave a lot of information to police. And it doesn't seem like he's getting a lot of credit for it. And I think his information probably was uh, – you know, the information that resulted in them getting caught. U.S. Marshal Service called me. They sent me a text message called from Alabama. And they said, I heard you got a 
truck told. I said, I did. I said, that's a guy from Alabama. He said, yes, it is. So he said, I got U.S. Marshals coming to you even as I speak. All right, that was car wash manager James Stinson, the man who tipped police off, bringing an end to the nationwide manhunt for escaped murder suspect Casey White and his lover, Vicki White. She was the corrections officer who helped him escape. She's now dead. She committed suicide. The two have been on the run for 11 days across several states. News Nation was first on the scene when they were found following the chase and capture. That man was Brian Enton, joins us live in Evansville, Indiana, along with retired FBI agent Bobby Chacon. Gents, good to see both of you. Uh, you know, Brian, take us through the laundry list of Keystone cop moments here. It seems as though uh, almost they, they were captured despite the best efforts of police. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a few of this, these moments throughout the manhunt. Uh, this one was certainly interesting. The, the manager of this car wash earlier in the week, way earlier in the week, uh, last week, spotted a truck. Uh, here at the car wash that he thought looked strange and he called local police and he says they did folks when they when he says way earlier in the week it was on 5-3 it was so May 3rd was him when he first spotted this and it seems like they didn't react to his information as quickly as they should have. Didn't really take him seriously. So he went back and he looked at the surveillance video at his car wash. And that is when he says he noticed a man who looked a lot like Casey White and the tattoos matched up basically perfectly. He had to keep calling and calling and calling again. Uh, and finally, he got the attention of the local police and the U.S. Marshals came out here eventually. Uh, and it turns out... So, folks, there's that famous picture we see. And then as he gets closer, you could see his right arm with the tattoo and his big ears that perfectly match who that is. And that's how he was identified. Uh, the manager of this car wash is really the reason this entire thing got solved. Well, and on top of that, you reported uh, on the fact that the original car that they were in uh, that had been had the bolo out for it and police were looking for it was in an impound lot in Tennessee for a week before police figured it out. Uh, Bobby, is this really as bad uh, police work as it seems to the layperson? Well, I don't know. I, I really don't know the specifics of all of that. I do know that when a case gets this much publicity, thousands of tips come in and the police are charged with running down every single one of those tips. I don't know if that was the case here, um, but certainly anywhere in that three or four or five state area, where the, the escape took place should have been on high alert and any tips coming in from anybody should have been run down immediately. Um, I was always puzzled why I kept seeing Sheriff Singleton out front of this thing as coordinating the, the fugitive hunt because it was his department that where the escape happened, it should have been the marshals and the marshals were out front, but the U.S. Marshals, I would have rather seen the U.S. Marshals take the lead, you know, in front of the cameras and, and, and tell the American public uh, what was happening. Um, ultimately, look, the marshals are the best in the world, the U.S. Marshals yeah. had tracking fugitives. I, I had confidence that they would get these guys, and they did. Well, yeah, they only got them, though, because as Brian points out, he kept calling and saying, no, 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 I've looked at the surveillance video. If he just called once and, and moved on, these guys would be who knows where. Brian, uh, this brings up an important point about the sheriff. Um, how is it that he gets on TV every night and talks about this when it was the woman in his jail that he said he knew and trusted for so many years that somehow was able to evade what should have been a whole series of, of checks and, and balances on her power, and he was the one who put that system in place that allowed this to happen in the first place? Well, Leland, you have to remember, um, it's a small sheriff's office. They have just over 100 employees, and I think they have like 30 or 40 employees that work in the jail. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a small little place. Um, sometimes protocols were broken. For example, uh, the protocol said that there needed to be two corrections officers when any inmate was transported. But when we went to Florence and started talking to the sheriff and the DA, they said, well, look, sometimes if there weren't enough corrections officers or if the, you know, one correction officer had already left on a bus to take some folks to the, uh, to the courthouse and they needed to move someone else somewhere else, they'd have to sort of bend the rules. You know, it's, it's a small town mentality. I get the sense from the sheriff uh, that they were really doing the best they could. And they really trusted Vicki White. Get this, Leland. We learned today uh, that Vicki White was voted Corrections Officer of the Year by her peers in Lauderdale County for this year, and she was set to receive the reward uh, just next week. You almost couldn't make it up, Bobby. Uh, incompetence uh, on the rest of the department for 
and complacency uh, for giving her so much credit or conspiracy that maybe there were a couple more people in on this or at least turning a blind eye to it? Well, no, Lena, I think you hit it right on the head. The, the word I was thinking of was complacency, the word you just used. And I think that that's it. And I abhor complacency because in situations like this, even in the small jail, there is no excuse for that kind of complacency. If their rules are in place, they have to be enforced. Not only that, real leadership would allow the, the, the newest deputy in that police department to put a stop on the highest ranking level official doing something that violates policy. So leadership has to empower the people there to yeah. say, you know what, boss? You, this is wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be transporting this person by yourself. It's against the policies. The more lax you you let them go, the longer that complacency is in place, the more chance something like this is going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and look, Brian makes a good point. Small, small town uh, sheriff's office uh, is not probably the place that you find the best standards and practices uh, in terms of how things are, are done. Uh, Brian, to you, does this story effectively end now? Uh, look, I mean, the manhunt is certainly over. Are there still a lot of questions? Yes. Would we like to find out all the little stops they made along the way? They were in three different vehicles that we know of. Were they stolen? Did they buy them off Craigslist? Where have they been sleeping? Uh, oh, and there's this. The sheriff uh, from Alabama tonight has said he is even questioning whether Vicky died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He says it is possible that that is not the case. He's waiting for forensics. He says there's no evidence at this point uh, that that she was shot by by Casey, but he's leaving that open-ended. So hmm. there are definitely still things that we want to figure out. You know, Bobby, I put that map uh, back up uh, in terms of where they went. Uh, in, uh, in 11 or 12 days, they're on the run. Uh, for at least seven or eight days, there, there was really no trail. They had no, the authority, police and the marshal service had no idea where they were. Uh, why only go two and a half states? I'm, I'm thinking you'd be in Mexico or you'd be in El Salvador, or, I don't know, a beach in Costa Rica by now. Yeah, Leland, uh, my theory was they were heading for Canada because Canada will not extradite on a capital case. So he was facing possible death penalty here in the States for the most recent case, Canada would not extradite him unless the U.S. promised not to seek the death penalty in any of his cases. So that's where I assumed they were headed. Um, now, they probably laid low for a couple of days and felt they had to poke their heads up. But, um, you know, there, there's some investigation to be done. You want to make sure that nobody assisted them in this escape. You want to make sure that what happened today was actually a suicide. So all of those things will be looked at fairly quickly, I might add. And then we have to see what, char what additional charges He's going to Casey's going to face with this. And, and I saw an excellent piece by Ashley Banfield earlier that says he could face felony murder charges. If you're committing a felony, which this escape was, that can reasonably result in someone else's death and that death occurs, you can be charged with that felony murder. Yeah, so on, I, it's going to be hand, interesting to see if there are additional yeah, On charges. the other hand, he's already charged with capital murder. So at, at some point, it may be, may be academic. Uh, Brian, Bobby, uh, thank you both. Brian, great work as always. So, folks, as you could see, a lot of a lot of questions. But you know, one of the things is, and and everyone is critiquing right now the response of the police. And in a, in a major investigation, there's a national incident management system referred to as NIMS, National Inf Incident Management System. In all major major incidents, that should be used. The protocols from a national incident management system that clearly wasn't done here because. Look, I think that Sheriff Singleton seems like a hell of a nice guy. He seems like everyone's grandpa, but he's not the sharpest bulb uh, in the drawer. Uh, many questions that he was asked that he should have had the answer to, he didn't have the answer. And that is his fault because, first of all, they should have a press office. He should have someone assigned to keeping him updated on every aspect of the case. I don't know how many answers he gave during these press conferences that, oh, I don't know. I don't have that information. That's not okay. That doesn't give the public confidence. I never saw a major investigation such as this, that a lot of accurate information wasn't out there with the press. One of the things that I shook my head at was the initial SUV that she they had transferred from in that uh, supermarket parking lot from the sheriff's vehicle to that, what I describe as a, a red SUV, it was a Ford, uh, 
a Ford SUV. Um, that car was left for six days and no one picked the car up to invoice it and to process it as, as a piece of evidence. That's probably still there. So what kind of investigation is that? I think it's it's pretty bad, to tell you the truth. Uh, the other thing is, is when a major investigation is finished, the case is not over. The case is not over whatsoever. Whenever we had a major homicide investigation, we would always critique our own work. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? So that the next major case, we wouldn't screw up the same thing. And believe me, in any major investigation, I mean, it's easy for the press to, to they're not the ones pulling over two fugitives who they know are going to shoot it out with them. And the press is in the safety of their own press vehicles. Uh, however, these fugitive enforcement uh, investigators, the local detectives pulling over these vehicles, they fully expected to get in a shootout. That's pretty damn ballsy, if you ask me. But as cops do that every single day. You notice I use the word cops, constable on patrol. Police officers, detectives, they do that every single day and without hesitation. And smartly in this case, they ram the vehicle. You know, I just want to make a little uh, comment also. You know, Vicki White um, lived a righteous life, her entire life up until this point, up until this horrendous this decision she made on April 29th. And we have to um, somehow commiserate with the people that loved her and the people that worked with her. She had many friends. She touched many people's lives. You just heard that she was voted correction officer of the year. I mean, how did it go so wrong? But I just want to say, say that we realized that she was in law enforcement. I believe it was for the better part of 17 years. And she, uh, she did a commendable job. Uh, but however, she made this horrendous, horrendous uh, decision on April 29th. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. If you like the show, please go on our YouTube, uh, so hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. If you want to support this channel, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And if you want to join our YouTube family, uh, you can go on our YouTube and you see the folks with the green font in the chat. They're all part of our YouTube family. And they support us. We have five different levels. You know, they had a live press conference today. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, I, from what I've seen, um, I, of course, think that, that uh, the individual who was the manager at the um, James Stinson, who was the manager at the car wash, the guy was a hero. He, he gave, I hope he gets that, uh, that reward. He gave invaluable information, and he gave the information on May 3rd. It took them to the 9th, it seems, to respond to it. What was the cause of, of the delay there? What was the cause that they didn't believe this guy? In fact, a local law enforcement member went there to check out that Ford F-150 that was left there, and apparently he did not put two and two together. James Stinson swears he told him he thinks this is the car involved in the escape of uh, Casey White. And apparently um, he didn't, they're, they're denying that he was ever told that. I'm going to show a little bit of today's press conference. Uh, and there's a lot of unanswered questions. And I said, you know, when you solve a case like this or when the case is over, it's never over because you have to still do a critique, critique and still cross your T's and dot your I's. And here's a little bit from today's press conference. Offense and had been in Evansville for approximately one week. We were fortunate to have cooperation from law enforcement from Alabama, Mississippi, our U.S. Marshal Task Force, which is uh, comprised of members of the Sheriff's Office, the Indiana State Police, and the Evansville Police Department and the U.S. Marshal Service. Uh, because of all the resources, we, we received a lot of tips, uh, we got some good surveillance videos that showed a pickup truck that had been left at a car wash and then a subsequent vehicle that they took and escaped in from the car wash, which was a Cadillac. We recently found out that they'd been staying at a hotel uh, down the road here. It used to be a Motel 6, and now I think it's changed names. 
and they had a 14-day stay there. We were fortunate that during our investigation yesterday, an Evansville police officer who was just doing his good diligence of patrolling and being smart noticed the vehicle in the parking lot of the hotel and notified us immediately. So the task force members got together. They drove down there, set up surveillance on the hotel. Soon thereafter, the two suspects exited the hotel and fled out of the hotel parking lot northbound on U.S. Highway 41, turned in at an industry known as Anchor here in Evansville. They went through the parking lot, went through a grass field. The members of the U.S. Task Force basically rammed the vehicle and pushed it into a ditch. And we later found out, had they not done that, the fugitive was going to engage in a shootout with law enforcement. So by our quick thinking, our actions, sometimes people may call that unnecessary action, but that action may have saved many of my deputies and fellow law enforcement officers' lives. And that's why I represent the Sheriff's Office. I want to bring my people home and I don't care about the fugitives' lives if it protects my people's lives. And here, I commend them for a job well done. They knew they were going up against a dangerous felon, a murderer, and we have photos of the weapons that were located in the vehicle. There were at least four handguns, semi-automatics, nine millimeters, and this is known as AR-15. It shoots a 223 caliber round, so any one of these weapons could have been used to ambush our officers while they were attempting to capture a murder suspect. So I commend them for the quick and aggressive action. It probably saved a lot of chaos by doing quick action there. Once the crashed, the female suspect shot herself. The male suspect gave up when we approached the vehicle. They were both taken out of the vehicle. Uh, Life-saving measures was attempted on the female, but she suffered a grave injury and subsequently died at the hospital last night. Uh, we interviewed the suspect for quite some time. I don't want to get into all the details of that because some of that may be used against him, but we have him presently in our Vanderbilt County Jail. He signed a waiver of extradition to go back to Alabama. I've notified the sheriff there, and they are going to make arrangements to pick the suspect up and return him to the state of Alabama. Due to safety and security measures, we won't be divulging that to you. It won't be a public spectacle. When he leaves, they'll go out a, a hidden exit, and, and it won't be for public display. So we won't divulge the date and time when the Alabama authorities take the prisoner back to Alabama. Once again, I can't shout out enough praise to all the law enforcement here in our community for the hard work that they do. Uh, the task force, I was asked by a member of the media this morning if this was like an odd occurrence, and it's certainly not an odd occurrence. We arrest dangerous felon subjects every single week. We've been involved in multiple shootings in this community. We've shot people we've been shot at. So this is law enforcement. This is today's law enforcement. It's a very dangerous occupation. So I hope the public realizes what we do is dangerous and we have to take action to protect ourselves. So each and every one of these fine men and women go home to their family and their loved ones and we don't let the criminal win the war. So I, I appreciate you being here. That pretty well wraps up what I have to say. We have multiple members here. If anybody wants to add to what I said, you're welcome to do that. Or if anybody has questions they want to ask off this, go ahead. Yes, sir. So, folks, you, you heard the uh, local sheriff uh, giving an update. Uh, one of the questions was uh, the, the motel that they didn't identify, which used to be a Motel 6. They had apparently booked 14 nights at that uh, motel. And um, so they had obviously intended to stay there for a while. 
Another thing, if you watch this whole press conference, uh, it was reported that she had had $90,000. They they only recovered $29,000. So it's some way they spent $61,000. Don't uh, forget they had purchased two vehicles. Those vehicles, in fact, weren't stolen. They were purchased. So uh, that very well could account for a, a great deal of that um, that $90,000. You know, folks, one of the things that, uh, and uh, I see folks in the chat, the car wash guy also identified the Cadillac uh, being at his car wash, and he had photos of it, and he had he had surveillance of um, Casey, Casey White from his car wash. So we got to give this guy all the credit in the world. I mean, it's he, he just, uh, just incredible what he did, and, and it seems like... Um, the powers that be aren't giving him credit for it right now. And that that's a shame, but um, he, he gave them all this information. And I think that it was uh, tremendous, tremendous information that they were able to, um, they were able to get all of this information out there. And uh, that that's an incredible thing. And, and he did, he did just a great, great job. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind that, uh, that he did a fantastic job. I mean, but I'm not the one that's going to issue the um, issue the reward. The, the the reward will have to come uh, from the police and determining whether or not they in fact think that uh, that he's the one that, that deserves it. And he, I mean, he came up with incredible information. It seems like much of the information that he gave them was ignored. All right, that was car wash manager James Stinson, the man who tipped police off, bringing an end to the nationwide manhunt. For escaped murder suspect Casey White and his lover, Vicki White, she was the corrections officer who helped him escape. She's now dead. She committed suicide. The two had been on the run for 11 days across several states. News Nation was first on the scene when they were found following the chase and capture. That man was Brian Enton, joins us live in Evansville, Indiana, along with retired FBI agent Bobby Chacon. Gents, good to see both of you. You know, Brian, take us through the laundry list of Keystone cop moments here. It seems as though. See, I, I don't really think it's right that this reporter starts referring to this stuff as as Keystone cop moments. But there, how there was some mistakes made. But you know something, as I said before, he's sitting in the safety of his TV studio while these fugitive enforcement and local detectives and the sheriffs they confront armed felons without uh, without question and without hesitation. So it's easy for him to to refer to these as keystone cop moments, but you know something? These guys put all their all their um their their lives on the line when it calls for it. And Mr. Um, keystone cop moment there, who's referring to it, he's uh he's in the safety of a TV so studio. So just remember that. So uh, almost they they were captured despite the best efforts of police. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a few of this, these moments throughout the manhunt. Uh, this one was certainly interesting. The, the manager of this car wash earlier in the week, way earlier in the week, uh, last week, spotted a truck uh, here at the car wash that he thought looked strange. And he called local police and he says they didn't really take him seriously. So he went back and he looked at the surveillance video at his car wash. And that is when he says he noticed a man who looked a lot like Casey White and the tattoos matched up basically perfectly. He had to keep calling and calling and calling again. Uh, and finally, he got the attention of the local police and the U.S. Marshals came out here eventually. Uh, and it turns out uh, the manager of this car wash is really the reason this entire thing got solved. Well, and on top of that, you reported uh, on the fact that the original car that they were in, uh, that had been had the bolo out for it and police were looking for it, was in an impound lot in Tennessee for a week before police figured it out. Uh, Bobby, is this really as bad uh, police work as it seems to the layperson? Well, I don't know. I, I really don't know the specifics of all of that. I do know that when a case gets this much publicity, thousands of tips come in and the police are charged with running down every single one of those tips. I don't know if that was the case here, um, but certainly anywhere in that three or four or five state area where the, the escape took place should have been on high alert and any tips coming in from anybody should have been run down immediately. Um, I was always puzzled why 
I kept seeing Sheriff Singleton out front of this thing as coordinating the, the fugitive hunt because it was his department that where the escape happened. It should have been the marshals. And the marshals were out front, but the U.S. marshals, I would have rather seen the U.S. marshals take the lead, you know, in front of the cameras and, and, and tell the American public uh, what was happening. Um, ultimately, look, the marshals are the best in the world, the U.S. marshals yeah. are tracking fugitives. I, I had confidence that they would get these guys, and they did. Well, yeah, they only got him, though, because as Brian points out, he kept calling and saying, no, 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 I've looked at the surveillance video. If he just called once and, and moved on, these guys would be who knows where. Brian, uh, this brings up an important point about the sheriff. Um, how is it that he gets on TV every night and talks about this when it was the woman in his jail that he said he knew and trusted for so many years that somehow was able to evade what should have been a whole series of of checks and, and balances on her power, and he was the one who put that system in place that allowed this to happen in the first place. Well, Leland, you have to remember, um, it's a small sheriff's office. They have just over 100 employees, and I think they have like 30 or 40 employees that work in the jail. So, you know, it's a small little place. Um, sometimes protocols were broken. For example, uh, the protocol said that there needed to be two corrections officers when any inmate was transported. But when we went to Florence and started talking to the sheriff and the DA, they said, well, look, sometimes if there weren't enough corrections officers or if the, you know, one correction officer had already left on a bus to take some folks to the, uh, to the courthouse and they needed to move someone else somewhere else, they'd have to sort of bend the rules. You know, it's, it's a small town mentality. I get the sense from the sheriff uh, that they were really doing the best they could. And they really trusted Vicki White. Get this, Leland, we learned today uh, that Vicki White was voted Corrections Officer of the Year by her peers in Lauderdale. So, folks, you heard that Vicki White was voted Correction Officer of the Year. Guys, I know I, I played that twice. I just wanted to, for some people coming in late, uh, reiterating what has occurred, you know, uh, the information that the marshals had when they had it, mistakes that were made, uh, what has to be done now. You know, it seems like the press always dwells on, oh, what now? What now? Are they getting him back to, uh, uh, you know, to Lauderdale, Alabama right away? Folks, you got to realize one of the things is he was facing 75 years or sentenced to 75 years before this even occurred. So that doesn't go away. He also has an outstanding murder case, all right, which he confessed to. That does not go away, all right? Now, with all the new charges, they're talking about could he be charged with felony murder because uh, Vicki White uh, took her own life in the commission of a felony. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not a prosecutor. Is there a potential that that could happen? Yes, there is. Uh, there is a potential that that could happen. But so this case, you know, the, the marshals, I think, overall, uh, you know, when we talk, everyone's so highly critical of them. But uh, I think they, when push came to shove, when it was all on the line, they did their job. You know, they definitely did their job. It was, you know, the vehicle that they initially escaped in that was dumped. And we wonder now, based on the investigation, did they purposely dump that and leave it uh, broken down in the middle of the road on purpose? And that's when the, this vehicle was never picked up by uh, the Lauderdale Police Department. And I would have wanted to know, did this car really break down or did they stage it breaking down? They could have easily found that out by just coming up with another key and see if this uh, started, see if the car ran. Uh, however, they didn't do that. And, you know, we talk about the investigation has to take uh, center stage. All of that, you don't just end uh, the investigation because the case is over with. It's not over with right now, you know. So there's the picture, of course, of her walking him out of the um, of the jail. Talking about the timeline, this goes all the way back to April 18th um, when Vicky sold her home in Lexington. Uh, public records revealed she sold the property for $95,550 to her former mother-in-law, even though that was well below what the house was worth. Um, she, on the 28th of April, she submitted retirement paperwork. So when you talk about like premeditated, yeah, she was definitely thinking about this. So on the 28th, uh, on pre-prison break in the week ahead of the escape, uh, 
specific dates unknown. Vicky purchased men's clothing at a Kohl's store and visited a sex shop. It's unclear if she bought anything at the adult toy store. Uh, Lauderdale County District Attorney Chris Connolly claimed she also withdrew $90,000 in cash out of a series of bank accounts. April 29th, uh, Vicky checks out of a Quality Inn in Florence, Alabama. So two days before this occurred, she was staying at a Quality Inn. Um, at 9.20 a.m. on the 29th, assist, Assistant Director Vicki White tells the deputy prepare inmate Casey White for transport to, to courthouse. Deputy removes White from his cell, takes him to booking and handcuffs him and shackles his legs. Um, 9.41, Vicky leaves detention center with Casey and head to the courthouse for a mental health evaluation, even though there was none scheduled. We had the FBI agent interviewed by um, News Nation talking about leadership and the fact that maybe an underling should have confronted Vicky, even though she was the second in charge, that she was breaking procedure in taking Casey White to any appointment by herself. Um, and then she had claimed that after she dropped off Casey White, she was going to a, um, a med plus for a personal appointment. Um, at 949 on that same date, the 29th, it shows her police cruiser was parked in a parking lot at the Florence Square Shopping Center. Uh, at 1134, a Florence Police Department officer spots the cruiser. And later that afternoon, the same day, actually, that red SUV is spotted two hours away. Um, so a lot of this information was slow to get out, and it was not just slow to get out, but it, the correct information didn't always get out uh, very, very quickly. And that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons you need a point person from law enforcement to keep the public as well as the press updated, because this was a very important case. In, in actuality, I know at this point they're not giving credit, but that um, the car wash manager, um, James Stinson, I think he deserves all the credit for his eyes being on this guy, him calling police, him uh, contacting federal marshals and telling them, in fact, what he saw. And I think that his spotting of the initial Ford F-150 and then, of course, that Cadillac that was found in the parking lot of the motel, the alleged Motel 6, that resulted from also from James Stinson. He had said, this is the car they're in now. And then they, of course, were witnessed by the federal marshals and the local police getting into that car and the, the pursuit ensued. So I think that uh, he did one hell of a job. You know, um, Paul Burgess, he was missing info on the Connie Ridgway murder, admitted to other murders which were discredited, just a plan to make it to Vicky's jail. Paul Burgess, I agree. But in the, in the um, Connie Ridgway murder, they're not going to charge someone unless they can vet the confession against the evidence that they have. The other case is the one uh, where it was ruled a suicide by shotgun. They, don't, they just reopened that case. He was never charged with that. So there's a lot of information out there that needs much further investigation, you know, uh, Deborah, uh, Daphne C.C. Moran, she is more guilty than Casey. He couldn't do it alone. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt he couldn't do it alone. And um, But, you know, something, one of the things that we would question is, did he use a lot of manipulation, potentially mind control on her? We talked about the Stockholm Syndrome in reverse, you know, that um, he identified with her as his captor, but and vice versa. And she was somehow convinced to commit this crime and, and, and help him escape from this uh, jail. So all of those things are factors. Um, La Noel, uh, car wash James had the right spirit. He quoted, if you see something, say something. It works. Bless him. He deserves the total reward, 15000 Perfect example of citizen collaboration with law enforcement. Um, La Noel. 100% agree with you. Right on. He And he did. He was quoted as saying, if you see something, say something. I thought that was pretty good that that he said that. I thought that was great. Uh, 
that was great information that we heard. Yeah, if you see something, say something for sure. And uh, that, of course, resulted in the apprehension of these two. Uh, Rita Rossler, you really don't know people. She made a bad mistake. I know people I thought were good people. They made a horrible mistake, lost their job. Rita Rossler, I agree with you. However, this make this mistake put the, the public, uh, put herself, destroyed her life, and ultimately resulted in her taking her own life. Um, folks have asked about um, uh, the autopsy that was going to happen today because it seems that um, the only confirmation they have that she died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound was her, excuse me, was Casey saying that she shot herself. Uh, so you're not going to go on the word of a convicted felon. They'll, they'll, um, they'll test, they'll do forensic tests on the firearm. It's when, if you push a gun against your head and you fire the trigger, there's something called blowback. That will be your blood and your tissue going into the side of the barrel of the gun. I hate to be so graphic, but that happens to be what that's called blowback. You would also see stippling around the wound as well as potentially tattooing. If the gun was held against the head, the flame that comes out of the end of the gun burns the skin and actually leaves the imprint of the firearm. So, all of those are indicative of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Uh, Kate, for big little voices, there will be further attempts. They owe it to the public and victims uh, to be thorough with this case. 100%. I always said that, you know, because an arrest is made, because the case is over, that doesn't mean the investigation's over. The investigation uh, just begins. It's just beginning. Uh French toast sticks. You ain't never got it on with a honey unless you hit. Well, I don't know what this is about. Shouldn't be reading that one. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Christo Sidar. She must have thought he was innocent. She ready to move to a retired life now. Example had passed away. Um, look, I think she was in a mental funk that she believed this guy. She was manipulated by this guy. She allowed this guy to basically almost like mind control. Uh, yeah, Eddie Stackpole, put, uh, there could be uh, GSR on a hand gunshot residue. If you fire it and the gunshot residue gets on your hand, there's multiple levels of evidence that are indicative of self-inflicted uh, gunshot wound. And the medical examiner, the pathologist, will do all those tests to make sure um, that's that's what occurred. Um Jojo W, did they buy the Cadillac also? I believe they did because none of the vehicles that they had that were followed up on, none of them uh, came back stolen. Um, that doesn't mean that when the officer from the local police was called to that car wash that he shouldn't have done a more thorough investigation. According to James Stinson, he told them that he had... Um, video and still photos of the perpetrator uh, in that car wash and they, they'd seen him in or around that car. That would have been enough to do for me to do a full-blown investigation. Uh, ben Joseph 7 oh good, you're still on. Hi, Bill. Good to see you. Thank you, guys. Guys, this is police off the cuff, real crime stories. Uh, if you like real crime stories from a police perspective, I'm NYPD retired, 27-year sergeant then, you know, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us the thumbs up, ring that bell. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon. We also have YouTube members, five different levels. Uh, Janice Martin, something mental was going on with her. All the red flags are there, but they need to find out why people do these things and not just talk about it. Janice Martin, I 100% agree with you. Correction officers are trained that this stuff can happen. It's not something that is rare. It's they they need to uh, to watch this. They need to get mental health counseling. They need to get counseling for PTSD. After all, you're living inside with people that are not right. They are not right. You know, uh, Chris Russo one two eight one six. I know Evansville has a real meth problem, so it seems like a good place for them to lay low and score his drug of choice. That's a potential uh, possibility. Um, 
Karen Broderick, I think she no longer cared what happened to her. She must have had it, had such a low self-esteem to do what she did. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, she threw her life away. I mean, that's the only way you could describe this. You know, selling her house for like less than half of what it was worth, taking $90,000 in cash out of a bank. I don't know if you guys watched the whole press conference, but they only recovered $29,000, which means in 11 days, they spent $61,000. I mean, crazy. You know, uh, a correction officer does not um, have that type of money to blow. Uh, that's for sure. Michelle, don't the law enforcement officers have on-site psychologists for staff? I don't know what their mental health program is in regards to employees at that jail. However, they should have that. Uh, on the NYPD, they've just started instituting uh, new mental health uh, protocols because of the high incidence of suicide. So I believe suicide. Um, Steve Ringe. How you doing, Steve? Good to see you. Retired NYPD Sergeant Steve Steve Ringe has a question. Was there any prior history between them, school, community, friends, and common past relationships? Steve, as far as we know, we can track their relationship going back two years. He was in a state prison, and he had passed through that jail. She had actually called him numerous times on the phone. So that's all I could say as far as that their relationship. It had gone back two years with phone calls to a prison. And, and you know Steve from being a retired NYPD sergeant. An incarcerated inmate, inmate in a state prison does not have free reign over phone calls. All the phone calls are tracked. All the phone calls are recorded, uh, both by a uh, digital transcript and by a uh, audio recording. So it's And they know that. So... For her to call him on a state prison phone, uh, crazy. Uh, $29,000 uh, was recovered, Janice Martin, and they had, apparently they had, she had purchased three different cars. Well, two, if you, if you don't include the SUV. So uh, she, they had spent, um, what, uh, they had spent uh, $61,000, right? It's because they only recovered $29,000. Uh, very crazy. You know, all the folks, uh, Blueberry, Bonnie and Clyde went wrong. Yes, for sure. Uh, knitting Artisan, she exchanged her life, um, her, her life savings and a good name and ultimately her life for a very costly vacation that only lasted 11 days. I mean, that goes down to uh, her whole legacy of her life. She had lived a righteous life for her entire life up until this point. And now this incident will forever taint her legacy with her family, with her friends. Uh, Tracy Jackson, knowing about all of his doings already, and now the other girlfriend's suicide, I'm just curious if he shot White. I hope they get down to the bottom of this True, he could be a serial killer. Tracy Jackson, I had discussed that. I think they're going to be able to um, to prove that this, in fact, was a self-inflicted gunshot wound through the scientific means that I previously discussed. Stippling, gunshot residue on the hand, potentially tattooing around the gunshot wound, and something called blowback inside the pistol. Uh, I can't explain to everyone. I explained it before what all of those things are. But the pathologist will be um, will be looking at all of those things uh, when he does the autopsy today, or he or she. Eddie Stackpole, detective, retired NYP detective. Eddie Stackpole's system appears to have dropped the ball big time. Yeah, I think so, Eddie. Something uh, really went wrong here. And um, luckily that um, the public was put in danger, however... It turned out the only one uh, lost her life was was Vicky, which is a shame. I mean, even though she did something criminal, she lived a uh, a righteous life up until that point, and uh, we could pray for her and her family. Um, again, luckily, no one in the public, no law enforcement officers were hurt or killed during this incident. 
I think that the federal marshals did a brilliant job in uh, ramming this car and actually flipping it over. Uh, Navy F-14D, they paid $6,000 for the Ford F-150 pickup truck. Wow, you know, <laughs> you guys get all this information. I didn't have that information myself. Thank you. Uh, Jimmy May, could they have been married with no one's knowledge? Uh, questionable. Uh, he When he was stopped by the police, I think he said something of the effect, would you help my wife? And as far as the law enforcement knows, he was never married to her. So um, we we don't know that. Deborah, maybe they hit, hid the money potentially, but you know something? They were on the run, so they wanted to make sure that they had um, – they had the money with them, you know, and they couldn't just leave it in the hotel room. So, because they didn't know when they could ever get back there. Um, Paul Burgess, I don't believe it was a coincidence that they began communicating in 2020 around the exact same time he confessed to the Ridgeway murder. Uh, you know, something, all of that will be determined through an in-depth investigation. And at this point, it takes time. Investigation, as you guys know, takes time. I can't give you all the answers. I think a lot of the information that came out during this case, it wasn't coming from a direct source. Like usually police departments have. Um... Chris Russo, thank you for joining the Police Off the Cuff YouTube family. Uh, welcome aboard. Uh, there wasn't a, a central location, and I mentioned NIMS which is the National Incident Management System, it doesn't seem that they instituted that over this case because they should have. And it doesn't seem like sheriff, um, th that the sheriff uh, had accurate information at all times. That's uh, Sheriff Singleton. It doesn't seem like he was totally being uh, apprised of what was going on. And that's why Police departments have public information offices, and it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like he had all that information at his fingertips because he gave a lot of answers like he didn't know the answer to that. I don't know what happened with that. That I don't have that information. And when um, when you're dealing with police departments, you expect them to have that information. And the fact that he didn't. It sort of impacted a bit on his competence uh, and the fact that you heard this, that one, uh, what do we have here? Dan won in the case of Brian Laundrie, in this case, two popular high-profile cases. The bottom line is there were very concerning problems with law enforcement, and we wonder why Bill and Duty won uh, the best. Well, thank you, Dan won. But I would just like to say to folks that, you know, police officers, police departments, they're human beings. They make mistakes. I wonder if you put the spotlight on a whole law firm, if you would find tons of mistakes that lawyers make, or for that matter, on a on a, uh, a bunch of doctors in a practice, would you find that they made huge mistakes? Any profession. But when the light is, sh is shining on law enforcement, yeah, you they... They make mistakes. There is no doubt. There is no doubt uh, law enforcement makes mistakes. Judy Fisher, she was in control, not him. She was free. He was in prison. How much time did she actually spend visiting him in phone calls where they could plan together? In my opinion, she was the brains in this, not him. Uh, I think that um, I think you're right, Judy Fisher. I don't disagree with you. Uh, she seemed to be the brains of this. Um, Suman Shri, how long had they planned to stay in the motel? Were there anything else they had in their possession related to their plans? Suman, they had apparently booked the hotel for 14 days. So um, unknown if they paid in cash, I would assume they did. But usually when you um, check into a hotel, you have to have some kind of credit card. So did she perhaps have a credit card in a fictitious name or in some other alias name? I don't know that that will be all part of this investigation. Uh, Tracy, one, two, three, Tracy D, one, two, three, three, spent the money on buying three getaway cars. It seems that, it seems that way. You know, it seems that way that she spent a lot of the money on that. Uh, Milwaukee civilian, what is with the lunatics who think there is something 
exciting or romantic about this craziness? Yeah, I don't find it exciting or romantic. I don't know if anyone does. There were people in the chat the other night that were like actually like rooting for them to get away. Uh, I that I didn't understand. You know, so you're um, you're rooting for a murderer to get away and for an unstable uh, female correction officer who did made the biggest mistake of her life. Um, you're rooting for her too. Uh, you know, look, this ended the best way possible. It would have been, been better, of course, if Vicky didn't take her own life. Even though she broke the law, I still feel a human uh, human emotions for her. That it's unfortunate that um, that she took her own life. You know, I would feel different if they tried to hurt law enforcement. They would have shot it out with police. However, the way that this went down. Um, uh, Tracy Jackson, knowing about all of this do, uh, doings already, and now the other girlfriend suicide. I'm just curious. He shot White. I hope they get down to the bottom of this. I, I think Tracy. I think they will. I, I, and I gave several reasons why I thought uh, they would be able to predict that this was in fact a um, a suicide and not a homicide. That she took her own life. Um, Joe Murray, attorney at law. If you're looking for a good defense attorney, criminal defense attorney in the New York area, then Joe Murray is your man. He's a retired NYPD police officer, but a superb attorney. Uh, you can call Joe on his cell at 718-514-3855, or you can email him at joe at jmurray-law.com, and he has a website, jmurray-law.com. Joe Murray, a great defense attorney in the New York metropolitan area. I don't think he's doing house calls to Indiana. Uh, John Beatty Law, www.jbeattylaw.com. John Beatty is a renowned personal injury attorney. He also retired as a decorated NYPD sergeant. John comes from a proud NYPD and FDNY family who is an active sergeant in Brooklyn North and supervised in the legal bureau. John is a proud member of the Honor Legion and the Blue Knights. John Beatty litigates across the country for seriously injured victims and has helped recover over $200 million for grieving families. Call John now for a free consultation. John Beatty, 917-797-9520. That's John Beatty Law, www.jbeattylaw.com. Seems all of our benefactors here, all of our ads or attorneys, or who used to be former police officers, which I find tremendous that guys uh, on on the police department go to law school and get a law degree. Crime soap opera. Said her psychological issues weren't noticed before this all went down. The way she treated him differently was a sign as well. Thank you, crime soap opera. I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, Mike Fortner. People are forgetting that she was second in command at that jail. She was the model employee until this point. Yeah, I think you're right, guys. I I, I think we all have to realize that, and we have to uh, sort of feel sorry for the people that loved her, her family. Uh, Jimmy May, yes, they could have been married without other folks' knowledge. I don't know what law enforcement person or what priest or what judge would have married them, so I don't know how they would have um been legally married uh alicia mckay yeah i i heard that they asked the sheriff if he had any um feelings that she had passed away and he indicated that that he didn't which uh you know that that just shows you who he is if that happens to be true uh anna salte casey is being described as slow not that smart he's also described as shy silent and a decent guy while on his meds, but I'm not convinced he was manipulating her. I, look, he's not a decent guy. His attorney said that. You know, he's not a decent guy. That's why he's in prison doing 75 years. He's not a decent guy. All right. Um, I laugh at some of this stuff. People, you don't just don't know criminals like we know them. Uh, it's 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 just crazy for someone for an attorney who happened to represent him. He's a decent guy when he's on his meds. Oh, yeah, okay, you hang out with him then. Let him stay over your house. Let him watch your kids, you know? Uh, crazy that anyone could even say that. 
He's a decent guy. Uh, oh, my God. Griminator of Patty. She wanted a life on the run. He had nothing to live for. Yeah, well, you know, now he has something to live for. He has to live for to go back to prison. Uh, Marilyn Mineta, holy crap, were they released with both had the same last names? Yes, that's the news would always say same last names. They're not related. They're not related, you know. So, folks, again, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. I'm going to go on again today, this afternoon at 5 p.m., uh, further updates uh, with my f- friend, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I'm sure there's going to be new information going on as the investigation continues. Um, someone's corrected me. Casey White has not known that he is he is murdered. He is a murder suspect. He may be surprised at the trial if he's found not guilty. Kalina Matova, um, he right, he can he confessed to a murder, but he's also convicted of the crimes that he's doing 75 years for multiple shootings, robberies, home invasions. He's serving 75 years. So even if he's never tried uh, for this murder or he's found innocent for this murder, he's never going to get out of prison. He's done. He's finished. That is where he lives. That is his address. All right. Uh, Banjo uh, Joy Zep7, the best classes I ever took was at community college were taught by retired law enforcement. Administration of justice included homicide, report writing, etc. So helpful when do- dealing with crime in my community. Banjo7, that's great. I'm glad you found it useful. And I'm glad that you, um, you found that law enforcement were the best teachers of this stuff. So folks, I think that... Uh, I covered all I wanted to cover right now. I, I thank all you guys for listening, coming on in uh, the afternoon here. Uh, this was a truly amazing case. Maybe one day will will be a movie, you know, uh, but uh, it ended as well as possible. Um, with There was loss of life, but uh, there was no loss of life of law enforcement or um, or any civilians. So for that, we thank God. And uh, so, guys, I'll see you at about 5 um, this evening. Have a great day, and uh, God bless. One episode, just ain't enough.